What's up, everybody? My name is Joe Mingus. I'm Mark Powers. And this is the Drum Ed Podcast. You're listening to the Drum Ed Podcast. Approaches, tips, and more for teachers, students, players, and enthusiasts. Here are your hosts, Joe Mangus and Mark Powers. Today we're chatting about whether to use two kits or one kit in your teaching studio. Yeah, I've been using two kits. I've always taught with one kit, and then I taught at School of Rock for a little bit, and that was the first time I'd seen two drum sets in a lesson studio. Right. You know, the teaching style there is way more about learning songs and playing along with the other drummer. And I did that. It took me a while to get used to that. I will say now I kind of do a hybrid of the two. Like I have two kits in my studio. I sit at one. Sometimes I sit on a stool next to the student. I kind of like having both worlds. I would say that I'm still kind of landing on. I haven't quite landed where I want to be yet with two kits or one. (laughs) Right. Sure. I haven't found it all the way. What do you do? I teach with one. And that is something I've done for a long time. I did for a very short while teach with two. And I'm not going to go into this too much because I know we're going to be chatting about it in another upcoming episode. But for me, I found that it was useful to force my self-taught, like by ear auditory students on one kit and not play for them right off the bat. Because I found that many of them would start using that a little bit as a crutch. Interesting. So they, they would use the fact that they could hear me play it to actually not read what's on the page that they were trying to work on reading. So I couldn't force those reading skills on them at all. And when I switched and started making them suffer through it for a little while uh-huh. with the guarantee that, yes, I will jump on the kit and play it for you in a little bit, but not yet. But not yet, right. Yeah. Then I found that they started getting better at reading because I just noticed this phenomenon in my lesson studio where I would point at the music stand and a kid, especially if they've already studied with somebody else, so they've already had this two-kid experience, they would go, hey, could you play for me real quick? You know, and i jump on the kit. They say that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. And then i jump on the kit, play it. They immediately can play it. And it's like, oh, cool. On to the next one. But next week they come back in. I point at that same exercise and it's like, can you play it for me again? This you know, happens like, to me. Yeah. They're, they're not ever actually learning how to read that because they're able to use me as the crutch. And I would be like, oh, man, I'm a horrible drum teacher. I'm not. Right. You know, I'm no, not. this happens to me. So that's that's why I made the switch. That's a good point. Like the thinking is that, yeah, I'll play it for you. But almost having the barrier of them having to get up off the kit and then you sit down to actually play it and then you get back up to sort of demonstrate. Right. That little barrier is is yeah. beneficial. I'm, I make them work through it. Right. And then closer to the end of the lesson, I'll jump in and go, let me show you, you know, what you're working on here. And what if you want to trade fours with your uh, students? Th- that is definitely something that I don't get to do as much, but I do use a bunch of different audio tracks. Oh, so, cool. I, so I can end up having using the Bluetooth speaker and having them trade or just solo over any sort of track that we have. So I'm not necessarily trading with them so much, which that I could see as being a benefit of two kids, which I haven't thought about. I have one student that's in a few jazz programs and it's really crucial to his thing to trade fours. When I was growing up, my one teacher I had, Jeff Cumston, would play upright bass. 
I think a lot of the jazz drum teachers will play upright bass with their students, but I can't play upright. Right. I can't play bass well enough to do that. Yeah. So I've just been kind of doing it on, on kit and it's nice to have the two kits there. For me though, after teaching at School of Rock and doing the playing along, a lot of playing along with songs, one thing I've eliminated is headphones. Ah. You know, there it was like, you get in headphones, you play ACDC, an ACDC tune, and you guys kind of play it together and then you talk about it. <laughs> right. Which is different than I was ever taught and kind of different than I had ever taught. And so one thing I've done is moved away from ever going into headphones with a student and playing along to songs because I've found that that has not helped. So is there still playing along with the songs? Are you yeah. just it through the PA in the room? Or? I got, yeah, I got our, like one of the Roland keyboard amps. It's yeah. like a 15 and it's just loud enough to play along to, but it's almost like a dinner jazz gig or something where you have to use your ears a lot. Sure. You have to play quiet. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. I'll bust the headphones out if it's Rush or something like that. You know, if a, if a student really wants to play that, but I've kind of landed on not going right to playing with the song and more in lessons listening to the song and then playing without the song and talking about feel and sort of doing the work outside of the headphones. Yeah. Because I feel like people are going to go home and they're going to play along to the songs that they want to play to no matter what. I don't have to inspire them to do that. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. If you want to play along to subdivisions, you're going to do it. Yeah, that's cool. It reminds me of something I try to do with some of my students who are in a place that they're ready to do this, but Dave Elich audition approach that I heard him talk about actually on another podcast, he'd been asked what his approach is to learning songs for a band. And I started using it for songs I'm learning myself and I've passed it on to some students. And it's this idea of it being in a couple of phases and first sitting down and writing a chart, mm -hmm. which in addition to reading, I try to get my students sitting down and listening through and just being aware of what the form of the song is themselves and writing out how many measures things are and learn how they can write a half page cheat sheet, mm -hmm. little hieroglyphics chart or whatever to pick up a bunch of material quickly and starting to play along with the tune with your chart. So you've got the music of the tune, you've got the visual of your chart and you kind of play with that. And then so kinda, you're learning how to get through the song. Yeah, exactly. Also marking out what the tempo is and then also going back through and just practicing along with the song with no music, mm -hmm. with no visual. So you're making sure you're memorizing. Take like a game. Exactly. But then being able to go through and play along with your music, the written notation, but just a click. So you are hearing all those sections of wow. the tune. And then eventually just the click. Because can you, know, you sing the song internally while you play? Exactly. Do you, you really know? know? Wow. Interesting. And you know, you know how important that is just for counting off a song at the right tempo on stage. Like, you know, can you hear that chorus and you know where yeah. that song needs to be? So being able to get to the point where you can literally play that song just with the click from top to bottom and you know the tune. I think kind of mixing each of those is kind of interesting. I think every single one of those steps is important and it can help. Yeah. I guess this might be a different show topic too, but I'll just say quickly, like for me, I know when I have to learn a lot of songs quickly, I can't really get to the details. My approach a lot of times is listen to the songs a lot. So I know the songs as if I was a kid and I just like the songs. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then the other side of that would be the, the chart reading. Every one of those steps seems to be important. Back to using two kits, because I still have two kits in my studio. I have a couple students where I'm pretty much on two kits the whole time. One is because one student that I'm working with 
it's a two hour lesson and we use the lesson almost like a personal training lesson where we're both, we're running exercises together. Right. And we're doing things either together or back and forth. These lessons are different than like private lessons almost. It's almost like a different class. Sure. So I'm, but what this student wants to do is to be able to play really fast double bass and wants to have chops. Right. And so having the two hour lesson, we'll just do something where we're doing all these exercises together and we're literally both on kids doing them. Sure. I don't know if that informs this because that's a different thing almost than teaching. Working with a drummer that way is a different thing. Yeah. And there definitely see what you're saying. I mean, there are definitely some situations, even with multiple students where having multiple kids can be a really awesome thing. I had just substitute taught a few classes a couple of times for Mike Snyder down at Western Oregon University, and he had helped them build out this amazing electronic drum studio with a bunch of cat kits, and they're all dialed in together. Everybody's listening in on headphones, and you could pull up solo individual kits so the whole group could listen to. Oh and gosh, in that situation, cool. that was amazing. You as the teacher were able to have everybody hear your kit, but you can pull up one person at a time, staying where you're at, and hear... 12 different students all playing their beat. And then you can let them just hear themselves and you can walk around the room and peer over their shoulders and do the little one-on-one thing. Whoa. Um, so it's so a that, for a group class. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Which was amazing. That is That's cool. But on the, on that's the, the way you would do it if it was a yoga class. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah. You're, you're teaching everybody doing it at the same time. Then you go around and give a little bit of one-on-one you wow. know, help where it's needed. And so in that situation, like I've loved, obviously, but it would be so ridiculous to have one drum set that 12 students were right. racing through. Um, but it's also electronic. So yep. it works because you can kind of be in in-ear land. You know, Everything's controlled. Land. Exactly. But I did take lessons that were two kits for a while, but it's actually my favorite two kit setup ever that I've barely seen outside of this uh, scenario. When I was studying in Minneapolis at Music Tech, which became McNally Smith College Music later, they had two drum sets in each classroom, or at least in one or two of the rooms, but they actually shared the bass drum. So they faced each other and they just had heads on both sides. And it was kind of cool. One of my favorite parts about that. My initial thought about that is I'm I'm afraid of the flat flam. Yeah, but one of my my favorite parts was that there was this interesting feeling when you both hit the bass drum at the same time, which is not the ideal situation what you want to be hearing or feeling when first you're concert bass normally right yeah right but it did like let you know that you were in sync with Weird. You know, your instructor was who at that time I'm sure like had way better time than I did yeah. you know? so it was like a little boost of confidence when you feel that awkward little you feel it when it's right on yeah so it's almost right? like psychologically it's, it's sort of like <laughs> but I always thought that setup it's was like shock cool. therapy <laughs> but <laughs> flat but through flat flams bam <laughs> But I always thought if I did do two, I would probably do something like that. That's cool. But um, I have moved into more than one drum studio taking over for a drummer who left the music store or whatever. Yeah. And seen two drum sets. And the first thing I've done is just like. You'll tear it down. Like, you know, give it back to the music store. Go, you know what? You can sell this kit. Just, you know, go ahead and get rid of it. Because I love. That's how much you don't want to have two kits in the room. Yeah. I really love the one kit. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm, I, I will say that I don't disagree with you. And even talking about it, part of me wants to take one of the kids out of my room. Right. You know? Yeah. You know, I kind of want to throw a kid in just for the sake of 
just trying to do a lesson like you're doing your double bass kid and just blasting through like exercises. A first, like a PT session? Yeah, pull, pulling up something like the New Breed book or Stick yeah. Control and just going, we're going to play five pages of this. Let's just sit down. and. When I first did it, I almost like was coming up with new ways to teach because I had never done that. But teaching for School of Rock, it was like kind of have to do what they have set up. Yeah, right. One thing that I came up with that was really cool was like just pulling up Seco Patient and then doing different foot patterns. So like just playing through the book with a Samba pattern or a um, Afro-Cuban pattern in the feet and then just playing some of the pages in the book with the hands. Nice, yeah. It was cool because it put the student in the hot seat, the performance hot seat, because we're both got our feet going. And then I would go and play one of the lines and I just kind of look up the other student and the feet are going. Right. You know, so you're already on the surfboard. Sure. And then they would have to play it. I feel like if I'd only had one kit, I mean, there's the aspect where I could say, okay, we'll play a Samba beat for, and you can't stop. And then and you have to play this and I would, you know, or whatever, but. Not the same pressure. It's not the same pressure. Yeah. Because you're in a performance with somebody else. So that part of it was cool but i don't know if it's necessary maybe just giving them that same exercise on one kit would have yielded the same results but i will say for that student in particular in the end it made samba fun sure because it was less clinical it was more like a party we were just like getting the beat going and then it's like we're skating together Sure. You know, we're just cruising on the feet and then we're playing rhythms in the hands. And for me, it was an eye opener because the way that I learned even how to play American Latin music on drum set was very clinical. It was like, here is the clave and then here and how do I do what fill and where? And it was just completely overthought. Sure. And this made it more of a game. And more of like the two of us having a good time, even though we were in syncopation, syncopation was giving us the rhythm ideas. Right, right, right. You know, so we're still in a book, but it was still kind of this back and forth where it's like, and he would have to do that. Right. And then also not, you're not talking about sticking patterns. It's just kind of like timbali these rhythms out however you can get them with the feet going. Right. Yeah. I will say, it's like, I don't, I don't want to lose that opportunity if it's there that's yeah. my fear with taking out the drums right because it comes makes, up sometimes right that doesn't make sense that's that's interesting um and i do i'm not against two drum sets in a lot of situations i love i've been on recording sessions that i've had two drum sets live you have in the room at the same time you have with not. scott mcpherson yeah oh not with scott yeah who's who tackled jacket hi scott right now um <laughs> You know, get together with friends and well. Second of, of all, let's just stop for a second because Scott is such an amazing person and player. Scott's pretty amazing. Yeah. How was it playing with him? I mean, easy. We don't get to play with yeah, yeah. Scott. McPherson. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, his pocket's invisible. Yeah, we we did a session where I part of the session I played hand percussion and okay. played drum set, and then at one point I struck the hand percussion and set up another kit, and the two was played, and a lot of things were lined up intentionally tightly. And other things, we would play things slight bit differently, and we would very loosely plan, hey, we're going to alternate back and forth on these fills here and there. Okay. But I remember us having a, a chill conversation about it, not... Yeah, I was super, super, super casual. Yeah. yeah. But I remember us having an experience... That's how Scott rolls. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I remember us going into the control room at one point on at least one of the tracks and sitting there listening, and it was all to tape. We didn't have any monitors on, on the studio. It was a great experience, wow. and we are Sitting there, actually, Scott, imagine that's also in the same age. That's cool. In it is, yeah. <laughs> and so you're actually listening. You're not looking at your tracks. You're listening to yeah. your tracks a little bit more. 
And I remember us sitting there noticing and on at least one occasion that, wow, I almost don't believe there are two drummers right there. Amazing. It was great, but it's fat. It's, it's super cool. Yeah. But so in performance situations, I love it. And there are plenty of bands who have had two on stage. I love getting together with buddies and kind of trading chops and getting together with a friend soon to do that. And had gotten together with Buck August and Chico and we recorded out in the streets a while ago. Like that sort of stuff is fun. So that does make me go, wow, maybe I could put more of my students into that sort of situation. Uh-huh. I feel that I have just had so many students that have lacked in some of those visual areas. Right, me too. That, and I didn't want them to get away without developing those as well as their auditory skills, which again, we're going to be chatting about a lot more in another episode. But so It's crazy how much the auditory versus visual learner comes up yeah, in, what, in, and, in these things. And that's what really made me switch to it because I knew I could jump on and cater that, but yeah. not do so yeah. for their benefit too. You don't have students that won't read because you kind of, you have expectations. You sort of expect all your students to read. What about adult student? What about an adult student that comes in and says, Hey man, I just want to be able to jam to this, to these songs. Dude, I love that you just asked. Because <laughs> I've told people this more than once. I don't want to read. I've told people this more than once. You, you obviously know that student. I mean, we've all had yeah. that student show up and yeah, the student typically middle-aged male shows up says man i used to do this back in school i want to get back into it but i don't want to i don't want to waste my time reading right i don't want to waste my time reading. it's not the sort of thing i want to do and here's here's what i do i swear to god i've done this multiple times my response is like dude i completely understand yeah we're just gonna jump into stuff we'll dig into some some rock grooves you know get into doing whatever i'll work on some hand technique stuff with you and we're gonna grab one of these manuscript paper notebooks and i'm just gonna like use some symbols and stuff to jot stuff down. So when you go home, you don't have to try to remember all of it. You can kind of retain the stuff we worked on. And next time we can kind of build on that. And about a month or so later, we're in a lesson and I'll point to it and I'll level with them and go, dude, I got to admit, like you've been reading drum music. Right. <laughs> because I've just been writing that the whole time. <laughs> you sneak it in. Whether it's a stigma, this fear that I right. can't do it. People are, are scared to do it because they think it's going to be this cumbersome task. No. It's like, oh. And so I, I tell kids all the time, it's like reading drum music is easier than playing Guitar Hero. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's like, yeah. it's, and it's, so I, I just, it's not hard I for just anyone. use quote unquote little symbols and things to yeah. like notate. I'm going to put a so symbol they, here. Exactly. And then before they know it, they're reading drum yeah. beats and I eventually level with them. And every one of them is like, oh man, re- really? Like, it's just that? Yeah, it's just that. See, that's cool because what I thought you were going to say was, Hey man, that's really great that you want to do that, but I can't work with you because that's what a lot of teachers would do. Yeah, they'd yeah. be like, I, they'll make a decision. Like I don't work with people that do that, but sneaking it in. Yeah. Like not only have you gained a student in a relationship, but you've also like opened their eyes to the fact that it doesn't take away necessarily right. from the other thing. Yeah, they didn't waste a bunch of time learning how to do that before they got into playing drums. What a yeah. cool way. Yeah. And so, the whole, so the whole trick is don't mention that that's what you're doing. Exactly. Just kind of like keep it real chill and Yeah. You know what? I'm going to put this little X right above these lines here. Like when you see that one, you're just going to hit the hi-hat. Right. And, you know, we, we work through that. Just kind of. Yeah. When you get there, man, the, just. Yeah. And yeah, next thing you know, like, oh man, I, God, man, I feel bad selling this now, but you just read drum music. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never had anyone be pissed at me yet about like tricking me. Of course. 
So no, I'm sure they're all really excited that they're reading music. Yeah, exactly. Know? Especially if you have a fear if if you've looked at music before and it's like nobody wants to get into it and feel overwhelmed by the fact that oh my gosh, if I want to do, play music, I have to do this whole thing. Right, exactly. And it's yeah. like, well, it's not a whole thing. Yeah. It's actually pretty, it's simpler than other things you do in your daily life, probably. Yep. So we've kind of shot a couple benefits, you know, to doing one or two kits. Yeah. Somebody's listening to this and they have been considering switching from the way they do it. Uh Or maybe they've never taught a lesson before and they're going to dive into this and they're like, do I get two kits for my studio or not? Like, where do they start kind of thinking about it? What do you think? I guess my initial thought about it is try them both. I don't know how much it matters. One thing is you can kind of go with your instinct. It helps to have a plan. But some of it is just getting in a room, you know, for your first student is just getting in there and teaching the lesson and figuring out some of those angles yourself. Yeah. I guess I would say if I was made to make a recommendation, I would say start with one kit. Because then you're not relying on your own playing, especially if you're a new teacher. It seems like there's a risk of just playing for the student. Yes, which I have had a number of students show up and say that that's what they'd gotten from a previous teacher. Yeah. Is that he sat down and showed off a lot. Right. And like they were. Which you never, ever, ever want to do. Yeah. I think no, that might be another I'm podcast, but I don't think that that's. No, there, there's, there's, a there is teacher. a benefit to sitting down and showing a student what something can really sound like and impressing them. Sure. Like that's for a number of reasons A, to keep them motivated to work on that thing. And they value the insight you're bringing to the lessons and all sorts of things. But yeah, showing off is its own thing, right? That's that's a totally different thing. But I'm with you. I think starting with one is great. And honestly, if you're starting to teach, I mean, it's an investment. You're buying a drum right. kit or whatever. So get one. And if you've got the space, find a way to borrow another kit from somebody and slap in there for a week or two and try it out and see what you think. And yeah. if it seems that you dig that, that's cool. I will say, too, it seems like it's the same sort of concept with gear or with your own playing where it's like the more you add, you have to be more responsible with the choices that you're making. So it's like if you have two kits, that might be cool. But it's it takes a little bit more responsibility as a teacher because you have to be really, really critical about what, how yeah. you're using that. Yeah, exactly. So it's like having a big kit. It's like, that's fine. Right. Takes a little more responsibility to have all that exactly. stuff. And like a parent, you have to... Or any other teacher, you have to yeah. create boundaries because there are situations where a kid will be like, all right, everything has to be you playing along with me. Right. Kid, and you've got to go, <laughs> sometimes, yeah, but I tell you when, you know, like yeah. in a nice way. But like, I'm going to sometimes expect you to do this on your own and I'm not going to be there playing alongside of you yeah. and set that up. So, Because that's how it really is. Yeah. And that's just the truth of it because that's how music is. Right. Especially those first moments when you go to jam, it's like, that's the vulnerable feeling. Yeah. When you have to go into a lesson, stand at a snare drum or sit at a drum set and perform something cold. Yep. That's the feeling. That's the feeling that we, and and I feel like it, a lot of it is, and that maybe is the big benefit to the one kid. It's like, you're getting that vulnerable playing feeling more often yeah. Yeah, yeah. than the coziness of playing with somebody it's else. It's like that first recording session, you pop on those headphones and all of a sudden they're expecting you to count this thing off and rock it right. and lay it down. And there's no, there's no teacher. Nobody's standing over your shoulder helping you out. <laughs> yeah. And there's no singing along to the radio. Right. <laughs> so one kid or two, cool. give them both a shot. Yeah. Awesome. 
Thanks so much for listening to the Drum Ed Podcast. Make sure to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. We would love your feedback and perspectives, so please leave a review with your thoughts and questions to be a part of the conversation. Email us about topics you'd like to hear covered at drumedpodcast at gmail.com. And if you think others would benefit from this conversation, please feel free to share this with your friends, other drummers, other musicians, and teachers. 